Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Bears. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from the playlist, Drew Taylor, and tonight's guests, Dr. Jane Goodall, Alistair Fothergill, and Keith Scully. Now, there's, a, there's another person who I wish was here tonight, which when you guys go see the movie, which of course you will this week, uh, you'll see some behind-the-scenes footage in the credits, and there's one guy who goes, Bear, go around, go around the camera crew. Was that a dedicated person, or was that one of you guys, or, or who was that? Because they need to be here. That was one of the fantastic uh, bear guides that we worked with. We, were, we made this film in Katmai National Park in Alaska. Uh, it's a wonderful place to film bears because they have no fear of man. And um, there are some fantastic bear guides that work with tourists. And they know bear uh, manners. They know exactly how to behave around a bear. I can tell you sometime about that. And he, those guys were helping us make sure that the bears and us were relaxed with each other. They're, they're really funny in the, in the credits. Now, the first question is obviously, how did Dr. Jane get in, involved uh, in this? And what sort of capacity did she have on this movie? Well, uh, it started because the last movie was Chimpanzees. And obviously, I was a, a good choice to help to promote the film. And so I promoted the chimpanzee film. We have a huge network of our young people, roots and shoots, right across the country. And we told them, you know, if you go the first week, then some of the percentage will go to, uh, to help chimpanzee conservation. And so when the next movie came along, uh, I think it was Disney who said, well, maybe you would uh, promote bears as well. Do you care about bears? And I said, of course I care about bears. <laughs> and so... 
I'm now an ambassador for Disney Nature and very happy to be take that role. And did you go up to Alaska and watch these guys film at all, or what? Yeah, that was that was the great draw because I'd always wanted to go to Alaska, and so I went. I had two days there, and saw. I mean, I met the stars of the of the movie, and saw a lot of other stuff. The weather was absolutely perfect, and I had a, an amazing experience. And, I mean, had you always been interested in bears? Or, I mean, obviously your work is mostly with, with champion, chimpanzees. Um, I mean, what's the draw? Why, why are bears so fascinating to you? Well, bears, wolves, cougars. I mean, I just love all... I mean, I, I happened to be offered the opportunity to study chimpanzees. So, of course, that was fantastic. But that didn't mean I didn't... Uh, that I'm not fascinated by so many other of the amazing animals around the planet. I wish I had many, many lives. I would study them all, including bears. <laughs> would, there, would there be any animal you'd just say, no, I'm not really, no? No, I'm, I'm going to study the whole lot. Okay, all right. Now, guys, you've done a number of these uh, Disney nature movies. Um, how, do you, how do you go about figuring out what sort of is going to be the next topic? Where, where did bears come from? Well, we always, with Disney Nature films, we always want to go for big, charismatic animals that are going to hold a movie, really. And, and um, we'd done African cats and chimpanzees before, and I guess the bears, bears had to be the next obvious candidate. And, but there's also the, the consideration you might have a great animal, a great character, but have you got the location, have you got the place where you can make a film about their lives? It's going to sustain 80 minutes um, and only film it in the wild. And we happen to know that in Katmai National Park, we'd done television filming there in the past, that that situation was absolutely there. So those two things came together. Great animal, great location. Is there ever any point in these movies where you wonder if you're going to have a narrative to sustain? I mean, there's, there's a couple of moments in this movie where you go, if this bear does not get food, then that's it. That's not only it for the movie, but that's it for the bear. I mean, do you ever have those kind of moments? You've probably hit on the biggest thing that keeps Keith and I awake at night. I mean, we write a classic Hollywood 60-page script. Of course, the bears have never bothered to read the script. And, um, yeah, we, we decided the narrative was a mother bringing up her cubs in the first year. We went for that because we know that in the wild, 50% of the cubs die. And that was obviously an amazing drama. But then Disney movies all have happy endings. And that's, that's in the contract. And um, we had some very nervous moments. Uh, there's some extraordinary interactions between a wolf, um, which never been seen or filmed before. And we genuinely thought that that wolf might take one of our cubs. And that was going to be a real, real issue. Yeah, it is a big problem. Making a movie rather than a TV documentary. With a TV documentary, it doesn't matter. But when you, a movie is about characters that you engage in and a story that carries you from the beginning to the end of the movie. And our actors, unfortunately, don't take direction. <laughs> Was there ever any moment? I mean, besides, what, what would happen if one of the cubs got taken away? Would you keep, keep shooting? I mean, would you try to just sort yeah, of Yeah, we'd have out? to keep shooting. We definitely would. I, 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 that hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's, to, to be honest, I don't know quite what we'd do. <laughs> now, uh, 
what what did you sort of take from from Dr. Jane's sort of uh, research and, and history for this movie? I, I kept thinking about she was sort of criticized in the scientific community for giving names to animals instead of numbers. These animals obviously have names in your movie. Was there anything else that you kind of drew from her uh, research for this? Uh, her research obviously is principally on chimpanzees, right. so it wasn't directly relevant to this movie. But Jane was the first person to actually say to the scientific community, hang on, animals have characters, animals have personalities. And, um, you know, I mean, Jane should tell this story, but I know that it was, they were very skeptical in those days. They actually criticized her for giving the chimps names. They thought they should have numbers. You know, animal behavior was all about numbering animals in those days. And in a sense, what she did is an inspiration, actually. It sort, of, you know, it sort of hits the heart of what these movies are about. Right. And we make no apology that they're anthropomorphic because that's what human beings want to do with animals. And actually, what's really interesting is if you look at the way chimpanzee and primate research has come full circle, you go and look at the research they're doing today on chimpanzees, and it's extraordinarily anthropomorphic. They constantly are saying, do chimps have the sort of level of language that we have? And it, it's sort of, well, Jane should talk about this more than me, but you know, it's, it's, it, it amuses me that science has really come full circle and recognized that Jane's ins original inspiration is what we should be doing now. Do you want to talk about that at all, Jane? Well, I, when I got to Cambridge University, I'd been with the chimpanzees about a year, and I'd never been to college, but Lewis Leakey told me I would have to get a degree if I wanted to get my own money, and that I had no time to do a BA, I had to go straight for a PhD. So Cambridge in England is, is sort of a very top science university. And so I was pretty horrified to get there and be told by these professors I'd done everything wrong, and that only human beings had personalities, only hu human beings had minds capable of thought, and only human beings had emotions. And the great thing was that I'd had a teacher as a child who taught me that the professors were absolutely wrong and gave me the courage of my convictions, and that teacher was my dog, Rusty. Because you can't share your life with any animal in a meaningful way and not know that, that these are not sole attributes of the human animal. And so the chimpanzee research made it very clear that it's not a sharp line dividing us from the rest of the animal kingdom. It's a very blurry line. And once you realize, you know, that, that we are part of the animal kingdom and not separated from it, we and bears are mammals. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't we expect a bear like a chimpanzee to have emotions of happiness and sadness and fear and despair? It makes much more sense. And now that universities are actually studying animal emotion, they can actually study scientifically what emotion actually is. And of course, animals have emotions. Now, what uh, sort of surprised, I mean, and this is for all you guys, what, I mean, while filming it, what really surprised you the most? And Jane, watching it, uh, what surprised you while seeing the sort of finished version of Bears uh, unfold? I think, um there are always things that you you script and and expect, but there are also these things that come out from nowhere. I guess the biggest surprise for us was um, the wolf character that came into the film. Um, we we knew in Katmai National Park there are wolves, and you see them, but all across North America, especially grey wolves, the southern wolves, are very very timid, 
And um, I don't know of any place um, in North America um, where you'd get gray wolves to actually come as close as you are to me and be comfortable with that. And uh, this situation played out when we were there during our filming trip that a number of wolves got, became habituated to us and one in p particular. And that allowed us to see how wolves and bears interact with each other. And I think we're probably some of the few people on this planet who've actually seen that, let alone film it. And so that was very, very special. And um, we, we got an insight um, into this that no one else had had, but it certainly made our film a lot better too. The other thing which was, was the dexterity of the bears. I mean, they're big animals with great paws and seeing them open tiny clams with, amazingly and all this sort of de the detail. One of the wonderful things about spending hours, months with, with bears, with any animal actually, is you start seeing things. Um, and, and the little things actually are often the most surprising actually. Now we have a clip of, uh, from bears that we can run now, right? And you'll see sort of the scout, right? Sort of choosing which bear he thinks he's gonna grow up to be. So let's watch that. Thank you. Scout is looking for a role model. Which bear will he grow up to be? He could be an angry bear all the time. Mm, seems like a lot of work. No, no, these bears are way too cuddly. He definitely wants to be tougher than this. Scout sure he'll find at least one bear he can look up to. Maybe that, nah. Oh, come on. Someone do something. Huh. Wow. He looks fun, at least. Not that being a bear would be, I don't know, more fierce. Now, in that clip, we got to hear the sort of unsung hero of bears, uh, John C. Riley. Uh, I was wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about him and what he sort of brought to this movie. I think one of the very important things about the, the Disney Nature movies is they are movies. Keith and I have worked in documentary. I mean, we worked on Planet Earth and Frozen Planet and Blue Planet, some of those big series with Attenborough. And we want these to be movies, and they, we don't want them to feel educational. We want them to feel entertaining. And the choice of the voice is really, really important. And when Disney said, how about J.C. Riley?" we were delighted. Partly because he is a bear in human skin. <laughs> so he comes into the... But also we were recording the narration, which we'd spent months and months writing. And he starts riffing and comes up with all sorts. There's a sleeping bear. And he says, that guy looks just like my dad watching TV. And, you know, quite a lot of that stuff made it into the movie. And um, it seems to go down really well, particularly with kids. Now, I just want to ask all three of you what it's like to be part of this amazing sort of history of Disney. Because Disney really invented the nature film. Um, and, uh, you know, what that's like to continue that and the sort of advocacy behind it. Um, can you just talk to, to what, that, what that's like? Well, I, I feel so strongly that movies like this provide such a 
intimate look into the life of a bear and the characters of the bear and the fun that they can have and the drama and the violence and hopefully we'll just encourage some children to want to see nature for themselves. They maybe can't go to Alaska, but there are a lot of places in America where people have moved into bear habitat and they are having to learn to live with bears. Uh, I think we're gonna now open it up for questions, right? Thank you, I was wondering how, what percentage of the profits go to habitat protection or expansion? I don't know the exact figure, actually. What, what I know is that if you go to the movie in the first week, um, a percentage of the box office goes um, to, in this case, the National Parks Foundation. Last year, when we did the Chimps movie, um, the, the money went to the Jane Goodall Institute. Um, and it was a pretty substantial donation, wasn't it, Jane? It made a lot of difference to the institution. It's, it's, not, it's, 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 it's real money. And to be honest, um, I don't know the figures. I never know the figures. Did you have conversations about um, what it would take and how, how far you would have to go to get the movie in terms of not invading the, the you know, how do you go about, about deciding how far you will go to get shots and, and, and dealing with invasiveness? I've, I've had the opportunity to go to jungles and different remote areas and I realize every step I'm taking, I'm, I'm altering something, the environment and, and the surroundings. So I just didn't know if you had conversations about that. Um, we don't really need to have conversations because it's so ingrained in us. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the basic rule about wildlife filmmaking is the animals come first. You never, ever dis disturb them. And to be honest, that's quite a selfish decision to make because we're only interested in filming natural behavior. And if you start disturbing an animal, they won't behave naturally. Um, and we never interfere. People often say, you know, if you see a starving animal, why don't you feed it? You clearly can't. You, you're not there for long enough. And um, no, we our skill is to record without in any way disturbing. And, and I'll just pick up on that. The, with the Bears film itself, the remarkable history of Katmai National Park is that um, the, the turn, at the start of the, the last century, it was obliterated by this huge volcano. And there are no people that live there. And the whole wilderness regenerated. And the Bears were part of the wilderness. And when people started going to the Hallow Bay area, these bears had had no experience of people and they were completely unbothered by them. And so it's a, and, and then people would be going in, taking tourists in and so on and so forth. And they've been very careful how they've maintained that relationship with the bears. And that makes it perfect for a, f a film crew because we can just go in and, and and live in that kind of kind of way. So if you ever go to Hallow Bay in Katmai, you don't feel at all that actually you're actually invading their privacy or disturbing them. Uh, you, it's, it's a very much a case of being with very habituated animals that are quite content with you being there. Hi, I'm just wondering, what's the next animal movie you may do? The next one, the next one is called Monkey Kingdom. And it's about an extraordinary group of monkeys that live in Sri Lanka. They live in these wonderful um, uh, temples. Uh, it's really the real jungle book, to be honest. And what's great about these monkeys is they spend half their lives inside this national park. 
but they spend half their lives raiding the local towns. And because the local people, you know, their religion doesn't allow them to interfere with animals in any way, we filmed in a, in a baker's shop when all our monkeys just came and stole the whole of the week's baking. And um, they ride on the buses, they ride on the trains. Um, they are the ultimate Disney nature stars. I tell you, it's going to be a very, very funny movie. You can watch the trailer right now on apple.com forward slash trailers. Hello, how are you? Um, this is for Jane Goodall. Uh, I'm curious, have you ever written uh, fiction or anything that relates to your science? No, I've never. I've, I've never written fiction. Oh, okay. I've written popular books. And, you know, when I first, I wrote the first book, and it was for the National Geographic Society, their series of books, because that was part of the agreement. They were paying for all the research, and one of the, one of the things I would do for them was write a book which nowadays would seem normal, right? Most scientists write books. It's something they do. They want to share what they've learned. But when I went to Cambridge and this book came out, I was very nearly sent down. They were so utterly shocked that a scientist would write a popular book. It just wasn't done. It was the ivory tower mentality taken to absurd lengths. And, you know, the whole idea is to write in such a way that only another scientist can understand you. So I made a vow at that time that I would never use, never write in such a way that a reasonably intelligent 16-year-old wouldn't be able to understand it. Is there any animal that you wouldn't do? F for that you wouldn't film or, you know? For, for, for Disney Nature? Or yeah, for, for Disney Nature. Yeah, I, yes, the, the, the real challenge is movies have to run 75 minutes. I don't know if you, if you know that, but if you don't run 75 minutes, it doesn't count as a movie. And um, that's our biggest, biggest challenge because um, when we did African Cats, the first one, you know, we were filming in the Serengeti. It was a story about lions and cheetahs, but there's an awful lot of other animals going on there, and we filmed a lot of it. And we found as we got into the cutting room that... People got so engaged with the story of our lioness and, uh, uh, and our cheetah cubs that whenever we cut away from our main story, it just didn't work as a movie. And we found that with chimpanzee and we've definitely found that with bears. And we've, the hardest question is, will this animal deliver 75 minutes? And um, you have to know your animals very, very, very well. Um, and quite, quite a lot of lovely animals that you'd think would Probably don't. So I, I think we, we, our main risk is running out of, uh, of animals. Sorry. <laughs> Jane, you've said that you've, you, you have a strong suspicion that there is a, a Bigfoot or Yeti or something. Why don't, you guys, why don't you guys team up? We'll track this thing down. No? I, I, just I'm, I would love there to be one. And, and every single country I've been in, they have their own story of the same sort of thing, the Yeti, the Yari, the, the wild man. And, and I've had some really interesting stories. Like I asked a, um, he was a hunter living in the wilds of Ecuador. I mean, miles from any road. And communication between the different little villages was this hunter going around like an old minstrel. And so I said, I asked him one simple question. Can you ask the villagers if they've seen a monkey without a tail? That's all I said, a monkey without a tail. 
three different answers came back. Yes, we've seen um, a monkey which walks upright and it's about six foot high and it doesn't have a tail. From the middle of nowhere, so what do you make of that? What do you think, guys? Disney Nature Presents Yeti. <laughs> That would be a budget uh, to get that movie. <laughs> I think CGI might get involved. Thank you. It's been fascinating to watch the trailers, and I can't wait to see the movie. Um, how long did it take you to film the movie uh, from the beginning to, say, the birth of the Cubs to uh, the, I guess, the end? And the other thing I wanted to ask is, uh, generally the males, uh, bears will kill the Cubs if they have a chance. Was there ever uh, any action that you saw like that? Well, spoiler the, alert, by the way. The first, the, to answer your first question, we, we had two years to make the film. Um, we always, whenever we make a film like this, the minimum is two years. We prefer three. And it, it's quite in interesting. Um, we're lucky we did have two because the first year, um, there'd been a very, very harsh winter in Alaska the year before and a poor salmon year and very few of the mother bears had cubs. And so most of the film we shot in the second year. So we were lucky to have another go at it. Um, yes, absolutely. If, in terms of the males with, with, um, with the female bears and cubs, um, our film crews um, witnessed... Uh, well, there is one very big fight in the film itself um, of a male attacking Sky, um, but the film crews witnessed that on two or three occasions, and on one occasion, actually, a cub was killed by a male, and um, this, sadly, the, the greatest mortality of, of bear cubs in the wild is actually, is actually males. But that said, you know, that is all part of the biology of the society of bears, and we shouldn't be judgmental about it. That's just how it is. And um, it's always been like that, so. Do you ever have to worry about your own safety when making a film? And if so, what kind of things do you do to protect yourselves? I think um, you really have to understand your animal. I mean, brown bears, um, in certain situations can be dangerous. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard the stories. You may even have seen the movie. Um, but we, we, as Keith said, we chose Katmai because those bears particularly are not frightened of people. But also we work with very, very good local guides who's been there for 20, 30 years. And they, we, we never went out without one of them because they were really helpful in sort of understanding bear um, yeah, bear behavior, bear good manners, really, how to be, behave well around a bear. Um, undoubtedly, I always say the most dangerous thing about wildlife filmmaking, in our case, is driving to Heathrow Airport. And um, although some African roads can be interesting at times, no, people are far more dangerous than any of the animals out there. And, you know, and our sort of, we, we go through a lot of um, safety planning and most of our focus um, was on the only way to get into where we were filming is in a small Cessna airplane and landing on the beach. And you have to cross the Chelikov Strait. Uh, it's an hour's flight over just ocean in a Cessna. And I tell you, that focuses our minds so much more than any of the bears. It would have focused mine even more because I was in one of those Cessnas and it crashed and never flew again. <laughs> in Ruaha National Park. Yeah. 
just wondering how many uh, hours of footage you worked with and how many crews were going because looking at the, the movie there was just you know these amazing shots and I do some photography and I think just one of those shots uh, would have been happy for a long long time and then you just one after another you're putting up there we are very fortunate to work with the very top in our business and they're all specialists wildlife camera men largely but there w was a amazingly talented camera woman who worked on this movie um, Bears go into hibernation for six months of the year, as I'm sure you know. So the season of filming bears is, is relatively short, which meant that we had always two crews, sometimes three crews. They're very small crews. Um, basically, one camera operator, uh, a camera assistant who's basically lugging the tripod, because it was all on foot. We, there was no um, vehicle access to the, to, the, to the Katmai National Park, and as we said before, a guide. And um, we shot hundreds and hundreds of days in the field, and I think we filmed about 400 hours that were then cut down to 75 minutes. It's longer than Apocalypse Now. I think you had more footage than Apocalypse Now. It felt a bit like it making it at times, yeah. <laughs> now, I, uh, Alistair already avoided this question backstage, but I want to ask uh, everyone here, what, what is your favorite cinematic bear? Bears have had a very long history with cinema, and there's been a number of bears on the big screen. What is your favorite bear? Who is your favorite bear? Winnie the Pooh. It's <laughs> a good answer. Jane? Jane, do you have a favorite bear? Um, not really. No? no. Do you watch but a lot of movies? You see, the point is I've almost never had the chance to watch movies because I've, I've been out in the field. You're being and a then, real person. Yes. You know? So I, I just love the bears in this, so I'm going to say that, that um, Scout is my favorite <laughs> bear. How about you, Keith? I'd like to say Ted, but I don't think I should. <laughs> well, I just want to thank, obviously, our amazing guests here. Um, Alistair and Greg, wonderful filmmakers, and Jane, obviously, you're a legend. Thank you so much for coming out. And everyone go see Bears, because it's really good, and I'm not just saying that. And a uh, percentage of the proceeds will go to the National uh, Park Fund the first week, right? And that it does make a difference. Um, so thank you guys so much for coming out, and enjoy the rest of your night.